Thank you for joining us for November 19th, 2022 Saturday reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Fresh Concedes Race Against Bobert As It Goes to Recount by Jesse Bedane. Wi-Fi Hotspots Now Available to Check Out at Aurora Public Library by Karina Julig. Panel OK's Renaming Mount Evans, a moniker tied to 1864 Sand Creek Massacre by Thomas Pipert. More than 20,000 Aurorans will vote in a new ward in 2023 after redistricting vote by Max Levy. And following up with miscellaneous articles. Fresh Concedes Race Against Bobert As It Goes to Recount by Jesse Bedane, Associated Press slash Report for America, November 18, 2022. Denver Democrat Adam Frisch conceded Friday in his tight U.S. House race against Republican Lauren Bobert that is likely headed to a recount but highlighted how his surprisingly strong showing revealed that Republican voters in the sprawling Colorado district are tiring of Boebert's brash style. The Associated Press has declared the election in Colorado's 3rd Congressional District too close to call. AP will await the results of a potential recount to call the race. With nearly all votes counted, the incumbent Bobert leads Frisch by about 0.17 percentage points, or 554 votes out of over 327,000 votes counted. Quote, America is tired of the circus, tired of the lack of respect for our institutions and democracy, and tired of the lack of civility in our discourse, unquote, Frisch said. The Democrat added that he hasn't ruled out another bid for the seat in 2024. Prognosticators, pundits, and the political establishment had largely thought Frisch's campaign futile, but the thin margin is its own small victory for Frisch. Quote, We were written off by the political class, we were written off by the donor class, and we were written off by the political media, unquote, Frisch told the AP. Quote, I wish more people didn't take nine months to call me back, unquote. Frisch said he supports the recount, but that it would be unrealistic to think it would flip enough votes for him to win. He called Bobert to concede the race. In Colorado, a mandatory recount is triggered when the margin of votes between the top two candidates is at or below 0.5% of the leading candidate's vote total. On Friday, that margin was around 0.34%. Frisch's comments come after Bobert claimed victory late Thursday in a tweeted video of her standing in front of the U.S. Capitol. Quote, come January, you can be certain of two things, unquote, said Bobert before thanking her supporters. Quote, I will be sworn in for my second term as your congresswoman and Republicans can finally turn Pelosi's house back into the people's house. Unquote. The unexpectedly close margin for Boebert, one of Congress's staunchest supporters of former President Donald Trump, 
was the latest indication that Trump's influence on Republican voters could be waning amid a nationwide fight over the direction of the Republican Party. It is a question some Republican leaders raised in partly blaming Trump for their dismal midterm results even as the former president forged ahead in launching his 2024 presidential bid. Like the former president, Bobert's provocative style has galvanized anti-establishment angst and won a loyal following on the right. With frequent TV appearances and a near-household name, the campaign cash flowed in. She raised $6.6 million in the past two years, an astronomical sum for a freshman member of the House. Frisch campaigned on a largely conservative platform and against what he dubbed Boebert's, quote, antics, unquote, and, quote, angertainment, unquote. The former city council member in the posh town of Aspen hoped to entice disaffected Republican voters and build a bipartisan political coalition. He rarely mentioned he was a Democrat on the campaign trail and backed removing Democrat Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House, saying he wanted to lower the partisan temperature in Washington. It was an indirect dig at Boebert that resonated with voters at a highly rural district that, though conservative, have often backed pragmatists. Quote, we have shown the country that extremists' politicians can be defeated, loud voices are not invincible, and shouting will not solve problems, unquote, said Frisch. Wi-Fi Hotspots Now Available to Check Out at Aurora Public Library by Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, November 18, 2022 Aurora The library isn't just for books anymore. Aurora Public Library now offers Wi-Fi hotspots that patrons can check out at no charge in what officials say is part of a growing trend of libraries offering technology resources to go. Quote, it's pretty popular for libraries to have different kinds of technology that's available to the public, unquote, said Midori Clark, director of Aurora's Library and Cultural Services Department. The hotspots have been available since early November. Next year, the library hopes to have laptops available for people to check out as well. Quote, we're really excited, unquote, she said. The library purchased 100 hotspots using federal pandemic relief funding sent to the city, Clark said. APL follows the Denver Library System, which began offering hotspots and Chromebooks in early 2021 after receiving funding from the Denver Economic Development and Opportunity Office. Quote, Almost 20% of Denver households still do not have broadband service at home, and low-income households and vulnerable groups are much less likely to have access. Unquote. DPL said on its website, Quote, access to computers and internet has always been a popular service at our libraries and with the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, it continues to be a critical need in our communities, Unquote. The hotspots are available to any library patron older than 18, city staff say, as long as they don't have any fines or fees on their account. 
Hotspots can be checked out for 14 days with no renewals. There are no fines, but service will be disabled once the hotspots are overdue. The hotspots can be checked out from any of APL's seven branches. Clark said the easiest way to get one is to place a hold through the library's online catalog, which can be done by searching, quote, hotspot, unquote, in the catalog. Patrons who don't have internet access and need assistance placing a hold can do so at any of the libraries. Along with being a boon for people without home internet, Clark said the hotspots can be used to boost an internet connection if there are a lot of people online in one location. They are also popular with people on vacation who don't want to use up data when they or their kids are using devices in the car. Quote, there are a bunch of really fun applications, unquote, she said. Panel OK's renaming Mount Evans, a moniker tied to 1864 Sand Creek Massacre, by Thomas Pipert, Associated Press, November 18, 2022. Denver. A Colorado State panel recommended Thursday that Mount Evans, a prominent peak near Denver, be renamed Mount Blue Sky at the request of Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes. The Colorado Geographic Naming Advisory Board voted unanimously for the change. Colorado Governor Jared Polis will weigh in on the recommendation before a final decision by the U.S. Board on Geographic Names. Thursday's vote comes as part of national efforts to address a history of colonialism and oppression against Native Americans and other people of color after protests in 2020 called for racial justice reform. The proposed name change recognizes the Arapaho were known as the Blue Sky People, while the Cheyenne hold an annual renewal of life ceremony called Blue Sky. The 14,264-foot, or 4,348-meter, peak southwest of Denver is named after John Evans, Colorado's second territorial governor. Evans resigned after an 1864 U.S. Calvary massacre of more than 200 Arapaho and Cheyenne people, most of them women, children, and the elderly, at Sand Creek in what is now southeastern Colorado. Fred Mosqueda, a member of the Southern Arapaho tribe and a Sand Creek descendant, said during Thursday night's meeting that when he first realized Mount Blue Sky was a possible alternative, it, quote, hit me like a bolt of lightning. It was the perfect name, unquote. Quote, I was asked once, why are you so mean to the name Evans, unquote, he recalled. Quote, and I told them, give me one reason to be nice or to say something good. Show me one thing that Evans has done that I as Arapaho can celebrate, and they could not, unquote. Masqueda, who has been actively involved in Mount Evans' renaming process, said Evans was in the perfect position as territorial governor to give the tribes a reservation, but, quote, instead he went the genocide route, unquote. Polis, a Democrat, 
revived the state's 15-member geographic naming panel in July 2020 to make recommendations for his review before they are forwarded to the federal group. Last year, the federal panel approved renaming another Colorado peak after a Cheyenne woman who facilitated relations between white settlers and Native American tribes in the early 19th century. Mestahe Mountain honors and bears the name of an influential translator, also known as Owl Woman, who mediated between Native Americans and white traders and soldiers in what is now southern Colorado. The mountain 30 miles 48 kilometers west of Denver had been known as Squaw Mountain. Its renaming came after U.S. Interior Secretary Deb Holland, the nation's first Native American cabinet official, formally declared, quote, squaw, unquote, a derogatory term and announced steps to remove it from federal government use and rename other derogatory place names. Squaw, which is derived from the Algonquin language, may once have simply meant, quote, woman, unquote. But over generations, the word changed into a misogynist and racist term to disparage indigenous women. More than 20,000 Aurorans will vote in a new ward in 2023 after redistricting vote. By Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, November 17, 2022. Aurora more than 22,000 Aurorans will be crossed by newly drawn ward boundaries in 2023 after the City Council's unanimous decision Monday to approve a new map of the city's six wards. Eleven voting precincts and part of a twelfth in the western half of Aurora were exchanged between wards in a shuffling process meant to ensure the city's wards each contain approximately the same number of voters. Around 10,300 residents south of Hampton Avenue between South Buckley Road and South Genoa Way were moved from Ward 4 into Ward 5. Another 2,400 or so people north of Hampton and west of the walking path that extends north from Blue Grandma Grass Park were moved into Ward 2. Around 5,300 people east of South Buckley Road between East Arkansas Avenue and East Illiff Avenue were moved from Ward 2 into 3 and 4. An additional 1,000 or so living immediately to the south were moved from Ward 2 into Ward 5. Finally, more than 3,800 residents in the precinct bounded by Smith Road to the north, Chambers Road to the east, Colfax Avenue to the south, and Sable Boulevard to the west were moved from Ward 2 into Ward 1. Aurora City Council includes a mayor and 10 council members. Six of those 10 lawmakers are elected to represent a specific ward, while the remaining four are, quote, at large, unquote, meaning they represent the city as a whole. The city's charter tasks the nonpartisan Aurora Election Commission with evaluating the boundaries of the city's six wards prior to municipal elections held in years ending in 
quote, three, unquote, or quote, nine, unquote. According to the charter, the six wards are supposed to be, quote, contiguous and compact, unquote, having, quote, approximately the same number of residents, unquote, in each. An interactive map displaying all of the changes, dubbed, quote, Scenario 5, unquote, by the Aurora Election Commission, is available at bit.ly forward slash 3 ph 9 bk Cherry Creek to begin posting audio recordings of school board meetings by Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, November 17th, 2022. Aurora. Following calls for more options for virtual participation, the Cherry Creek School Board has begun posting audio recordings of its meetings online. Board President Kelly Bates announced the change at Monday's school board meeting, which she said was in response to requests during public comment. Audio recordings of meetings will be posted on the district's website the day after each meeting, she said. The district has now posted recordings of its September, October, and November meetings from the current school year on its website. The district moved its board meetings online at the beginning of the pandemic through the 2020-2021 school year. But at the start of the 2021-2022 school year, moved back to in-person only with the exception of one meeting that was moved online due to a potential threat. During the pandemic, board members met without an audience in the district's administration building. Once in-person meetings resumed, they returned to the practice of holding meetings at a different district school year month. During public comment this school year, speakers have repeatedly asked the school board to consider having a live stream option to increase transparency and make the meetings more accessible for people who would have a hard time showing up in person. Cherry Creek is one of few school boards in the metro area that does not live stream its meetings or post recordings of them after the fact. Aurora Public Schools live streams its meetings through YouTube and posts recordings for the following 90 days. Denver Public Schools, Jeffco, and Douglas County have virtual options as well. District spokesperson Lauren Snell said that the district has not decided how long meetings will be available for yet and wants to see how many people listen to them. Holding meetings at schools instead of a district office makes live streaming a challenge, she said. Quote, currently, the district is going to monitor the interest of the audio recordings, unquote, Snell said in an email. Quote, since our board meetings are held at different schools in the district each month, it provides an invaluable opportunity for board members and district staff to engage in person with school communities across the district and hear firsthand from students, parents, and community members. However, it makes it difficult to be able to live stream the meetings, unquote. 
At Monday's meeting, several people who spoke at public comment continued to advocate for a live stream. Maureen Welch, the parent of a special needs student in the district, thanked the board for deciding to post audio recordings but said that it was only a half measure. Quote, we are the last school district in digital transparency, unquote, she said. Quote, every other school district live streams videos of their meetings and has them on demand, unquote. Gone viral, again, hospitals fill with respiratory patients, this time from an old virus causing a new threat. By Karina Julig, Sentinel staff writer, November 17, 2022. The novel coronavirus was a new and startling threat that scientists and doctors rushed to confront when it made its first appearance three years ago. But after two winters of COVID-19 spikes this season, there's an old virus behaving in new ways that's causing problems for the healthcare field in Colorado and across the nation. And unlike COVID-19, it's the youngest people who are most at risk. Children's Hospital Colorado is currently operating at full capacity due to a record number of pediatric patients with respiratory illness. The increase is driven by a nationwide surge in RSV, a respiratory virus that primarily affects very young children, the immunocompromised, and the elderly. The virus circulates every fall and winter, but began earlier than normal this year and has been unusually severe. The increase has led Children's Hospital to bring back surge tactics that it employed during peak times in the pandemic, and healthcare providers across the state are coordinating to try to increase resources for pediatric patients. Quote, we're managing patient volumes like we've never seen before, unquote, said Associate Chief Medical Officer Dr. Kevin Carney during a press conference last week hosted by Children's and the Colorado Department of Health and Environment. Quote, it's truly like nothing we've ever seen before at Children's Hospital Colorado, unquote. Carney said the hospital's beds across the state are at or above capacity and that urgent care and emergency room visits are 30% higher than they have been on the busiest day of a normal flu season. As of November 18th, 895 people have been hospitalized with RSV in the five-county Denver metro area since the beginning of October, according to data from state health department officials. The department only tracks the illness in the Denver metro area, where there have also been 255 reported outbreaks in school and child care facilities. The overwhelming majority of those hospitalized are young children. Dr. Lalit Bajaj, Chief Quality, Equity, and Outcomes Officer at Children's Hospital Colorado, said that RSV is one of the main causes of a condition called bronchiolitis, which is what the hospital is seeing a steep rise in young patients needing treatment for. RSV stands for Respiratory Syncytial Virus a common cause of mild, cold-like symptoms such as runny nose, cough, 
and fever. Nearly all U.S. children normally catch an RSV infection by age 2. People infected are usually contagious for 3 to 8 days. Babies and people with weakened immune systems can spread RSV for up to 4 weeks. There is no vaccine for it, though several candidates are in testing. Everyone can get RSV, but it causes the most threat to infants, older adults, and other vulnerable people who can get serious airway and lung infections. Reinfections are not uncommon, and people can be reinfected more than once in a season, according to disease experts. Among U.S. kids under age 5, RSV typically leads to 58,000 hospitalizations and up to 500 deaths in a year. For adults 65 and older, RSV causes 177,000 hospitalizations and 14,000 deaths yearly. For babies, the struggle to breathe can interfere with eating. Quote, and that's really when we start to worry, unquote, said Dr. Melanie Kitagawa of Texas Children's Hospital in Houston, where more than 40 children have RSV. Quote, they're breathing fast, breathing deep. We see them using muscles in their chest to help them breathe, unquote, Dr. Kitagawa said. Quote, these are kids who are having difficulty taking a bottle because their breathing is being impacted and they can't coordinate both at once, unquote. RSV usually just shows up as a mild cold in older kids and adults, but it is extremely transmissible, Bajaj said. Unlike COVID-19, it can live for a number of hours on hard surfaces. It is also much more likely than COVID-19, which rarely sickened the very young, to require hospitalization for children. It mainly affects children below the age of 2 and can be especially dangerous for infants age 0 to 6 months. That's because they have smaller airways and are more susceptible to respiratory distress or difficulty breathing, Bajaj said. For the same reason, children who were born premature or have heart disease are also at higher risk because they have less lung capacity. Quote, the thing about RSV is healthy children over the age of 2 or 3 as well as adults handle it well, but adults act as a reservoir to transmit it, unquote, he said. Children's is, quote, very familiar, unquote, with the disease, which Bajaj said they usually track in a predictable pattern from December through April. The early and sudden influx has put a strain on the hospital system. Similar situations are playing out across the country as the virus is encountering a highly vulnerable population of babies and children who were sheltered from common bugs during the pandemic lockdowns. Immune systems might not be as prepared to fight the virus after more than two years of masking, which offered protection, according to Dr. Elizabeth Mack of Medical University of South Carolina. For babies, their mothers may not have been infected with RSV during pregnancy, which could have given the children some immunity.
quote, South Carolina is drowning in RSV, unquote, Dr. Max said in a news release. U.S. health officials have noted a rise this month in national reports of respiratory illnesses, which they say is at least partly due to the early spread of flu in much of the South. Last week, more than 7,000 tests came back positive for RSV, according to CDC figures. That's more than in previous surges. At Children's, the hospital has filled every single space on its inpatient side and is activating beds that aren't usually used as inpatient beds, Bajaj said. Some days, there are 30 to 40 patients waiting for an inpatient bed to open up. Quote, on any given night in RED, we will have full waiting rooms, unquote, Dr. Carney said at the press conference. Even more so than regular ICU beds, pediatric ICU beds are, quote, an incredibly specialized resource, unquote. Scott Bookman, the state's COVID-19 incident commander, said at the conference. On average, Bookman said there are 22 pediatric ICU beds available across Colorado, but that number currently has been hovering between 0 and 5. The hospital is falling back on contingency plans it has for when it reaches capacity, Dr. Bajaj said, including opening up alternative bed sites, asking employees to take on additional work, and by working with other healthcare providers to transfer some patients to other facilities. The hospital is also adding additional contract team members, including travel nurses and respiratory therapists, Dr. Carney said. Part of the hospital's contingency plans include postponing some non-urgent surgeries and other treatments for children, which he acknowledged is, quote, extremely stressful, unquote, for the families whose care is delayed. During the peaks of COVID-19, which did not seriously affect children, children's helped other facilities that were at capacity to care for some of their patients. During this surge, Dr. Bajaj said those providers have reciprocated and some are lowering the minimum age of patients they will accept to their emergency departments to treat teenage patients. Quote, They've been really gracious to help us with some of the older kids, unquote, he said, freeing up space at Children's for the youngest patients. The hospital has also brought back its medical tent that it set up outside its emergency department during the pandemic. During that time, it mostly used the tent to isolate patients, and it is now using it to treat about eight patients at a time who have low acuity issues. CDPHE is communicating with schools and child care providers across the state to make sure they understand the potential danger, Bookman said. One of the most important things that can be done to reduce the spread is to have children and employees stay home if they are sick to avoid spreading disease. Quote, a mild cold for one person can be incredibly serious for someone else, unquote, he said.
Aurora's school district both said they are aware of the situation and like during the pandemic. School nurses continue to monitor symptoms in their schools. Both districts receive communications from CDPHE and the Tri-County Health Department. Cherry Creek nurses are receiving training in recognizing signs and symptoms of RSV, spokesperson Lauren Snell said. Quote, we continue to have strong mitigation layers in place at schools, including encouraging students to stay home when sick, washing hands frequently, thorough cleaning of surfaces, etc. Unquote. Aurora Public Schools spokesperson Patty Moon said in an email, quote, Also, nurses continue to work with families to track symptoms and illness reporting. Unquote. Medical professionals say the increase in RSV is part of a several-year-long trend of the coronavirus disrupting the usual patterns of infectious disease, but that the specific causal factors are not yet known. Dr. Bernadette Albanese is a pediatric infectious disease specialist with the Tri-County Health Department said that rates of flu and RSV have been very low over the past few years when the coronavirus was more severe. Quote, we saw lots of things become uncommon during the two years of the pandemic when people were more separated, unquote, she said. The resurgence is likely a reflection of the fact that people are, quote, kind of getting back to normal, unquote this year and also have less immunity, Dr. Albanese said. Dr. Bajaj concurred that a lack of immunity was likely a factor, but said there are still a lot of unknowns about how the pandemic is affecting disease transmission. Quote, it's going to keep infectious disease experts busy for a while, unquote, he said. State epidemiologist Dr. Rachel Hurley said that RSV is impacting children much more than flu or COVID-19, but that both other viruses are currently on the rise as well. She said she's concerned about potentially seeing RSV, the flu, and COVID-19 peak at the same time. Quote, it's difficult to know how that's all going to play out, unquote, she said. As of this week, Adams, Arapahoe, and Douglas counties all have low transmission levels of COVID-19, according to the Tri-County Health Department. As of the most recent data, Adams and Arapahoe counties both had a percent positivity testing rate of just over 10%. At the press conference, Hurley and the other medical professionals urged Coloradans to get vaccinated for the flu and COVID-19, including the updated Omicron booster, to wash your hands frequently and encourage young children to wash their hands and cover their coughs and sneezes as much as possible, to clean frequently touched surfaces like counters and doorknobs, and to stay home if they have symptoms of a disease. Quote, if I would say anything to the community, it's please wash your hands and please clean your surfaces. Unquote, Dr. Bajaj said.
Medical professionals were more reticent when it came to recommending mask wearing, which at this point in the pandemic has become a personal decision as Colorado has not had a statewide mask mandate for over a year. However, multiple people said it would serve as an additional layer of protection. Dr. Bajaj said that since he works in the emergency department and needs to stay healthy, he masks more than most people. Wearing a mask in indoor spaces will help protect the wearer from disease and will likely help the people around them as well, he said. Unlike for COVID-19, there is currently no vaccine for RSV. There's no specific treatment, so it's a matter of managing symptoms and letting the virus run its course. Doctors may prescribe oral steroids or an inhaler to make breathing easier. In most serious cases, patients in the hospital may get oxygen, a breathing tube, or a ventilator. Warning signs that children might be seriously ill include if they are having difficulty staying hydrated. Diaper-aged children should have some urine output at least every 8 hours, Dr. Bajaj said. Difficulty breathing is also a red flag. If children are wheezing, breathing quickly and shallowly, or if their lips and fingernails are turning blue, seek medical attention. Dr. Bajaj said that one major thing parents should do to be prepared is to know how to contact their primary care provider or pediatrician so that they can get a hold of them easily if something comes up. If their child starts to show symptoms of an illness, being able to get advice from their doctor about whether or not they need to go to the hospital can save them from hours of waiting in an emergency department. He also said that the hospital's freestanding urgent care in Wheat Ridge is a good option for parents to take their kids to if they need to get looked at but aren't too sick. Quote, this is going to be a challenging winter, unquote, Dr. Bajaj said. Quote, but it will end, unquote. More information for parents and caretakers about RSV is available from Children's Hospital Colorado at www.childrenscolorado.org forward slash rsvinfo. Information about where to get COVID-19 vaccines and boosters is available at covid19.colorado.gov. The Associated Press contributed to this report. Losing Aurora Advocates Surging Housing Costs Pushing Out Critical Residents by Allison Berg, Rocky Mountain PBS, November 17, 2022. When Christina Lopez moved to Aurora from Oklahoma in 2013, rent for her one-bedroom apartment was $800 a month. The price was slightly steeper than most apartments in Oklahoma at the time, but still felt affordable for Lopez. Nine years later, her rent has nearly doubled and she is unable to work due to health issues. Without a high, steady income, paying rent each month feels impossible. Though the costs keep rising, Lopez, who lives near the 
town center at Aurora said her apartment's shoddy condition remains with old appliances, cracks in walls, and no new amenities. Quote, it's so hard for us to keep up, unquote, Lopez said. Losing character, Aurora, which is Colorado's third largest city, is also the state's most diverse. The city touts 160 different languages spoken in its schools, rows of ethnic restaurants lining its streets, and safe haven nonprofits welcoming immigrants from around the world into town. Quote, Northwest Aurora is so beautiful in so many ways. It has been the most diverse region in the whole entire state and probably the whole entire Mountain West, unquote, said Mateos Alvarez, executive director of the Dayton Street Labor Center. Quote, a lot of immigrants and refugees have left their home country and this is kind of their gateway into this country, unquote. But over the last several years, as housing prices across the Denver metro area have soared, Alvarez said many who make Aurora the multicultural hub it has long been are struggling to continue to afford their home. Quote, you have people, decades later, going through the same process of being displaced, just like they were displaced from their home country, unquote, Alvarez said. Quote, it's heartbreaking, unquote. Northwest Aurora and the East Colfax Corridor blending Denver and Aurora were once more affordable parts of the city, which is what allowed so many immigrants to find their first home in America in the area. But residents and advocates said the days of unaffordable Aurora are gone as more people seek Colorado as a home and increasing rent prices in Denver push people out of that city, which then pushes those who have called East Colfax and Northwest Aurora home for years out of their communities. Quote, I think you see the ways that Aurora is becoming less and less welcoming for the people that traditionally have always lived there, unquote, said Bruno Tapia, a community organizer who grew up in Aurora and now lives in Denver. Quote, what I've seen is that it's just getting harder and harder for the people who have traditionally been in Aurora to stay here, unquote. A Zillow search of zip codes around the East Colfax and Fitzsimmons areas shows studios renting for more than $1,000 per month and homes listed at $300,000 to $500,000. Many who have called those areas home for decades say those prices are simply out of their budget, particularly as grocery and gas costs continue to rise alongside housing prices. Quote, to kind of boil it down, the rising cost of rent is truly exceeding the amount of income that the majority of folks that we are aware of living in this area can afford, unquote, said Emily Goodman, housing assistance campaign manager at the East Colfax Community Collective. Quote, we've seen a massive rise in gentrification coming in, unquote. Goodman and others said Aurora's wages have not kept up with its rising costs. While Denver's minimum wage is now $15.87, 
Aurora's is $12.56, which is the state-mandated minimum wage. Quote, I don't understand why the workers here are making less when housing is starting to cost the same, unquote, said Carla Chavez, a community justice organizer and lifelong Aurora resident. Quote, there are a lot of people here who think their voices aren't being heard or can't be heard, unquote. Chavez and other Aurora organizers recently surveyed 500 city residents, found at food banks, back-to-school nights, and community events to find their largest concerns with a changing community. Respondents ranked their biggest struggles as a lack of access to high-paying jobs and an inability to afford housing. Quote, there used to be generations of families living in these same homes, and those families are no longer there, and that raises the question of why, unquote, Chavez said. Quote, it sucks because there are places that were childhood memories that aren't here anymore, unquote. The reason for the change. Those who've witnessed Aurora's gentrification firsthand point to several culprits. Newer, nicer houses and apartment complexes costing more and rising rent prices for other housing options nearby, Aurora becoming a more attractive city for residents, and inflating housing costs across the country that are not necessarily unique to Aurora. Ruben Medina, an Auroran City Council member who has lived in town for 32 years, said he noticed the largest changes when the University of Colorado Anschutz Medical Campus and the Central Park neighborhoods were built. Central Park, which is filled with upscale dining and shopping, was once composed of mainly lower-income housing stretching south into Colfax and the Lowry neighborhood and east into Fitzsimmons and North Aurora. But after the hospital was built and Central Park became a more expensive neighborhood, Medina said gentrification plagued the Northwest Aurora and Northeast Denver corridor, squeezing out the traditional character of the once diverse affordable neighborhood. Quote, you lose a lot of immigrants and refugees who are trying to make a stake in this country and they can't keep it running, unquote, Medina said. Quote, you're losing the soul of our community, unquote. Medina felt the rest of the Denver area has always looked down on Northwest Aurora as a crime-ridden, corrupt part of town. While Medina said he recognizes crime is a valid concern for those in the area, most of the crime is a result of poverty and lack of support. Quote, everyone envisioned North Aurora as this corrupt place and this place that was kind of neglected, unquote, Medina said. Quote, the people there see the haves and the have-nots. They are surrounded by the people who have when they have nothing, unquote. The role of a new building. Many activists and residents in the area point to newer housing developments as the driving force behind gentrification and displacement. In October, community organizers protested the construction of 44 condos on the corner of Yosemite Street and East 14th Avenue with a starting price tag of $600,000 and no affordable units. 
Aurora Planning and Zoning Commission approved the project's development, despite the strong outcry from many in the community. Organizers who planned the protest said they did so because they are worried the new units will follow what they say is a pattern in their neighborhoods. New housing units pop up and cost much more money than older buildings nearby. Then, before residents know it, landlords in older buildings begin charging more to keep up with the expensive buildings nearby, despite residents living in older, often worse-off units. Quote, These kinds of upscale developments that are popping up in Aurora are bringing along the process of displacement and gentrification, unquote, Tapia said. Quote, gentrification and displacement are a product of a housing system that is undemocratic for the people who live in the neighborhoods and communities, unquote. But the idea that new housing always leads to gentrification is a bit misleading, some housing advocates said. Quote, the problem is a lack of housing, unquote, said David Pardo an advocate for abundant housing with Yes in My Backyard, Denver, an organization that advocates for denser housing and better public transit. Quote, if we don't have enough housing, houses are going to cost more in every neighborhood, whether it's Washington Park or Cherry Creek or East Colfax, unquote. Pardo said tearing down old buildings to replace them with new ones can lead to small price increases for houses in the immediate area, but more housing units to offset demand would still put a large dent in the issue. Quote, if you have 100 apples and you have 200 people who want them, the richest 100 people are going to get them, unquote, Pardo said. Quote, if you have 100 apples and 80 people want them, everybody gets an apple and the richest people might have an extra apple. Unquote. Denver has ordinances requiring affordable units in any new apartment complex with 10 or more units. Developers building projects with more affordable units are also pushed to the front of the line for project approval from the city which incentivizes affordable units and is supposed to ease the city's housing crisis. Aurora, however, has no such rule, which Pardo said restricts the city from becoming more affordable. Aurora also has more restrictions on building dense housing, leaving most residents with few options besides single-family homes. Quote, you can't build affordable units if you're building market rate but if there are incentives to build affordable units, you get affordable units, unquote, Pardo said. Quote, if the zoning allows for significantly more density, they can bring down the cost per square foot and build more affordable units, but the reality is they're building what they can build on that site, unquote. Allison Coombs, an Aurora City Council member, said the city is far behind where it should be in protecting affordable housing for those who need it. Quote, we could build newer, nicer neighborhoods with a commitment to limiting or eliminating displacement, unquote, Coombs said. Quote, if that were what's happening, and I think people would be much less bothered and much less upset and it would be less of a threat. Unquote. 
Unfortunately, Coombs said new but affordable neighborhoods are not a reality for most in Aurora, which is what had led to skepticism toward new housing. Quote, the economic growth is disparate in terms of who actually gets the increases in their wealth and their income, unquote, Coombs said. Quote, if people are not getting a share of that prosperity, then they're not going to be in our city anymore, and our city won't be the city that we have been and that we currently are, unquote. Finding a Solution Brendan Green, executive director of the East Colfax Community Collective, said combating gentrification in East Denver and West Aurora has to be a community-wide conversation with those most impacted at the forefront of discussion. Quote, these are essential community members that are helping to make our cities run, and we need to see a lot more urgency from our policymakers to understand that this is a crisis, unquote, Green said. Quote, we don't need soft policy moves on their part, we need aggressive policy interventions to correct the market and make sure that lower income levels can't afford to live here, unquote. Friday shooting in Aurora kills boy, 12, injures another, 14. Arrest made Saturday by Kara Mason, Sentinel Managing Editor, November 13th, 2022. Aurora. An afternoon shooting in North Aurora Friday left one 12-year-old boy dead and a 14-year-old boy hospitalized with serious injuries. Police arrested 18-year-old Rolando Philippe in connection with the shooting, asking prosecutors to file murder and attempted murder charges. Officers responded to a shooting about 3 p.m. Friday in the 900 block Zion Street, according to a statement by Aurora Police Agent Matthew Longshore. Quote, initial details obtained by responding officers indicated that shots were fired from the inside of an Acura sedan at the two boys walking up the street, unquote, Longshore said. The car left the scene, but it was later located, police said. Police did not say who was driving the car or if others are involved in the shooting. When police and rescuers arrived, they found two young boys, who police say are related, suffering gunshot wounds. Both were transported to the hospital, where the younger boy was pronounced dead. It's unclear whether the boys were alone or other people were at the scene at the time of the shooting. Police did not release a motive in the shooting, but said the victims knew Philippe. The Arapahoe County Coroner's Office will identify the deceased victim after family has been notified. Police said anyone with information can call Metro Denver Crime Stoppers at 720-913-7867. Tipsters can remain anonymous and still be eligible for a reward of up to $2,000, police said. Thank you for joining us for the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo.